0: We're going to be over in the Bible here in Luke chapter 10 primarily. A few other places as, as well. Some of them didn't get into your outline and you can write them down as we, as we get to them. But we, we're looking at this scripture. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? That many people think of themselves as being faithful, but God says there aren't really that many. So we need to find out what it is from God's viewpoint that causes us to seem faithful in his eyes we're faithful in our eyes but that won't cut it we got to be faithful in his we looked at the the servants who are given the talents we looked at some uh, one that was given five one was given two one was given one each according to their ability And we looked at the production that they had and the thing that was emphasized there was the faithfulness of those who were producing. Last week we looked at the two sons. Jesus gave this parable to one. The father said, go into the the field and work. And he said no. But then later on he went. The other one said, I'll go, but never did go. And we saw from that that just because you do the work of God does not mean that you are faithful. That you can do the work of God and not be faithful. And we have to be careful about that. To do the will of God, we have to know, or be, to be faithful in doing the will of God, we have to know what the will of God is. And we have to know what He's looking for as far as faithfulness is concerned. So we're going to spend some time here today mostly. And what happened, how do we become unfaithful? How do faithful people become unfaithful? We're the roadblocks to us becoming faithful. Let's get them out of the way. And we're also going to spend some time down the road. To find out what is it that God looks for in faithful people. What causes God to say this one is faithful, but this one is not. We started this off here. I wanted to give you some reasons. Uh, What reasons do we give for change changes in our faithfulness? There are times that we have noticed a difference in our faithfulness, but we have reasons for it. And the first one is results. Results are things getting better. Have you ever noticed that your faithfulness at work, your faithfulness, even with the things of God, your faithfulness in different places depends on results? Is it working? Is it is it causing a change? Is it causing a change in me? Is it my boss wants me to do this, but is it actually really changing anything? And if we don't see the kind of change that we think we ought to see, our faithfulness can take a hit and we may not go after it the way that we should. So I put there the the first thing is results. An example of this would be the prophets. How many times do we see that that God dispatched the prophets and there was no change? Jeremiah was dispatched. How much change did Jeremiah see? He didn't see much change, did he? There are other ones as well who had gone out and who proclaimed the words of God, but they didn't see a whole lot of change. For Jeremiah in particular, we saw that it affected his faithfulness because the words of God would come to him and he wouldn't utter them out because he felt like it's not doing any good. And beside that, they just beat me up for it. Paraphrasing. but That's basically what he was getting, getting to. And that, uh, that affected him. But he said the pain of keeping it in was greater than the pain of putting it out. So he went back out to putting out the words of God and to declaring them. But sometimes results can keep us from the faithfulness that we, we ought to have. See, God's not in the results. God likes to see results, but that's not the overall, overall scheme of things. His, his idea is this needs to be done. Jeremiah, you need to go and proclaim this word to these people. I know they're going to reject it. But that's fine. Let them reject it. Now when they stand before me, I can say you rejected the word. That's a whole lot better for God than to say they never heard it. So, don't 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 change your faithfulness because you didn't get the results you want. What kind of results was the father going to get? What what kind of results was he was he saying? Now Jesus came into this world and he knew that people were going to kill him. That people were going to to refuse the message. He knew it. He thought, in fact he told his disciples this is what's going to happen. God's not ignorant of what kind of results are going to be there. That does not mean He does not need you to do it. Here's the next one. Reception. If and how others receive my efforts can affect my faithfulness. How I'm received. How what I do is received. Well, if people like me, if people receive, the, if, if people see God and what I'm doing over at work, do people see that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And see, that can affect how how we do things, how people receive us. I gave a couple of examples. You can write these down if you want to. But Paul, how much reception did he have? How good was his reception all the time? And that wasn't always always that great. I, I thought of this one too. This might not jump out at you, but remember John Mark? He went along with Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. And as soon as things got rough, and they didn't even get as rough as they would later on. They just got a little rough, and he hightailed it back home to Mama. He went right back to Mama's house, and he stayed there. Now, eventually, he became useful for ministry, and Paul even said he's useful again, and we see that he got involved, but he hightailed it out of there because they apparently didn't receive him the way that they thought. And uh, Paul and Barnabas, they stayed with it. But John Mark, he left, and he ran home. Just because people don't receive you doesn't mean you shouldn't be faithful to what God said to do. You got to you got to keep that in mind. You cannot get before the Father God and use results or reception as reasons for not being faithful. Here's the third one, and I gave I gave you four here, and I'm not saying there's only four. I'm just giving you four. Third third one here is return. Am I getting a worthwhile return on what I am putting into this? Now it's a little bit different from results. Return is I am seeing it as my effort. This is my effort, and am I should I take my effort and put it someplace else? Because I don't really think I'm getting the the return here. This isn't uh this isn't going quite the way. Not, not just results for the kingdom. I want a return for myself. Now I I wonder if this was Moses' problem when he came to the rock. And he struck the rock the second time instead of speaking to it. Was he thinking, all this time with these people and I'm just not seeing the results from these guys. And he was mad. And his, his words were, must we bring water from this rock? <laughs> and he hits it. And God still brought the water from the rock but God was not pleased. So even though most of the fault was with the children of Israel, God turned to Moses and said, hey, what you doing? How about Elijah when he was up there on the mountain in the wilderness and God called to him and he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. And in other words, I've been doing my part. I've been putting the effort in, but I am not seeing a good enough return from these people. Here's the here's the fourth one. I wrote it in my outline here as resemblance, but you can also put in there com- or compassion. Or I'm sorry, not c- a comparison. Resemblance or comparison. We, we look at other people. I'm just as faithful as they are. Or I'm more faithful than they are. And we begin to compare what we have been doing with what someone else has been doing. Now, you'll see this a lot of times at work, especially if the word gets around that so-and-so is getting $2 more an hour than you are. And then you begin to compare how faithful you... Wait a minute. I'm at work every every time on time. This person is late most of the time. How are they getting paid more when I'm the one that's here showing up? I'm the one who's covering for that person. I'm the one who's doing this for that person. Don't they Don't they see this? And we begin to compare ourselves to the people around us and my faithfulness with theirs we shouldn't do that we shouldn't do that do you remember in the word of god when jesus was telling peter how he would eventually die and peter said uh once he heard that he said well what about this guy over here what about this fella <laughs> and he points to john and jesus says to him if i want him to remain until i come What business is that of yours? (laughs) See, don't get messed up with comparing your faithfulness with someone else. Because all that God is going to look at is your faithfulness compared to you. If you had five talents, what did you do with those five talents? If you only had two talents, what did you do with those two talents? He is not going to compare you with two talents with someone who had five. He's going to compare you with you. You have your ability, you have your calling, you have what God has put on you to do, you answer to Him. What has God told you to do? If everyone else is found faithless, you still stay faithful. Don't back down. Don't don't move away from that. You see, in the end, it's all about going after what I want instead of what the Master wants. If you're going to be faithful, you have to go after what the Master wants, not what you want. I want to read a passage for you. I didn't put this in your outline. You can write it in if you want to. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded. Everyone say no one. one. Now, if you were here when we did the Philippians series, you spent a lot more time on this. I'm just going to kind of run through it here right now. For I have no one like-minded. How many good people did Paul have around him? Just start. Just start thinking about some of them. Titus. Is that a good person to have around you? Yeah. (laughs) Barnabas. Was that a good person to have around you? I mean, he and he would rattle off all these different people that would have him. We'd see the ministries they'd be involved with. We see the things they would do. But look at what he says here. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Talking about them. He will sincerely care for... You. He's, he's basically saying, guys, I could send anyone else out there. They're not going to care for you as much as this guy does. Now, this is a public letter. Doesn't Paul think these other guys are going to read this? Paul is basically saying, Timothy, he's the only one. Now, look at this. For I have no one like-minded... Does that not infer that Paul is so minded? So Paul is basically saying this. Now see if you can do this yourself with your Christianity. See if you can do this. There is no one like me except for Timothy. Could you say that about yourself? <laughs> Paul did. Now look at verse 21. It gets better. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul raised up a lot of good people, didn't he? He is saying, of all those people we raised up, all those leaders in the church, all those multiple pastors that we have raised up and put in there, all those, well, whatever positions we, we have filled, all the prophetesses, all the prophets, all the different people that are, that are out there. I mean, how, much, how about Agabus? How much ministry did he do with, uh, with Paul as a prophet? All these people, he says very clearly... For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. If you seek your own, not the things that are Christ, are you faithful? No. So basically, Paul is telling us this. During his day, of all the people that he knew, all the people he ministered with, there were only two, two faithful people in the church. Does that sound like faithfulness is rare? Two faithful people. He says, I got no one like-minded. Not like this. For all seek their own. You see, if you are going to be a faithful person, you don't seek your own. You only seek the will of the Father. Remember, Paul wrote... I didn't put this in your, your outline. I can just um, summarize it for you. But remember, Paul was talking about an army. About the army soldiers. He says, a good soldier... He's not concerned about the things of the world. He's concerned about the things in the battle. That's what he he focuses all on that. He doesn't think about all these other things going on in the world around him. He's thinking about this. See that's a faithful person. That's what Paul has in mind. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ, Jesus. But you know his proven character speaking of Timothy that has a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. In other words, I need him a little bit longer. <laughs> but if I if I get to a spot where I can, uh, I can be without him, I'm going to send him to you. Could you imagine being the kind of person that Paul says, I need you here. We look at the, the good that Paul did in the world, the good that he did for the gospel. But Paul says, I need this one right here. I need someone this faithful. I need someone who doesn't put their own needs in there at all. Just totally out there for the, for the gospel's sake, for Christ Jesus. Now we're going to take a look at Martha here today. I always like to look back on things and see when it was we, we looked at this last. And it was about four years ago we really spent time on this story, even though we'll refer to it often enough. But just before we get into the story with Mary and Martha, let's take a look at some of the things that are said in John chapter 11. In verse 1, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, uh, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. Now this doesn't happen in chapter 11, it doesn't happen until chapter 12. But he's he's uh, just letting us know this is the same Mary and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, "Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick." When Jesus heard that, He said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, and the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now look at verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Period. He's just telling you. Jesus loved the... We, we don't always hear that Jesus loved certain ones. we But we hear about it Here. Now, John's always talking about the disciple whom he loved. But here John tells you that there's three other people he loved too. He doesn't say that about a whole lot of people. There's something unique about these three. Something that drew Jesus to them in which he had more affection, more love for these than he had for others. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, he mentions Martha and Mary just gets her sister. I wonder why that is. Because it seems like Mary does more good stuff than Martha does. But Martha gets mentioned by name. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, there's reasons for all that. We're not going to get into into that uh, section of Scripture here now. But let's go over to Luke chapter 10, the chapter, um, not the chapter before, but this is is, uh, before this. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now look at this. Let's go over it again. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now you just read Luke's account. It sounds like they just met. But that's why we read John's account first. So that you see? No, they had met before. And uh, they, they knew each other. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, either Martha saw this as an unexpected opportunity and Jesus walked into town and he decided to, uh, she decided to invite him to the house, or she knew he was coming and this was set up and planned. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because it changes some things. If you suddenly saw someone in town and decided to invite them over, you have to deal with what food you have in the house. If you knew about it ahead of time, then you've made some preparations before they get there. You've gone out there, you know, and, uh, they, of course, didn't have a giant and um, Wegmans to go out there and shop at. They'd have to go and you know, do, do some things to, to get all that taken care of. Maybe baking some bread, but whatever it was, if it was spur of the moment, then there's more to do in the kitchen. If it was uh, something they knew about, maybe Mary was already in the kitchen helping her plan and do some things, but then Mary would also would have been very up on what needed to still be done to get this taken care of but she doesn't help. She goes she goes out there and sits at the feet of Jesus and just listens. Now she serves everyone as as Jesus is teaching. So Jesus comes into the house and he's teaching the people that are there. I don't know how many people they got in the house. They may have a, you know, it might be a packed house. It might be just the the family members. It might be family members and friends. Whoever it is, it's not apparently too important that we know. Who is in the house? Well, we know some people are in the house and Jesus has come in the house and is teaching them. Now, if Jesus is teaching them, it's because the Father told him to teach some things, didn't it? Because he doesn't speak unless the Father told him to speak. So whatever he's doing, he's doing the will of the Father. Because that's how Jesus operated. So, the purpose that the Father has for this thing going on in the house is... That people be taught. That is the purpose. That is the purpose of the Father. Mary has opened her house for this purpose, whether it be impromptu or whether it was planned. She has opened her house for this purpose, which is good, because you know, bringing a crowd of people into your house, it can be uh, it can be hard on your house. But she uh, she does it. She opens it up. But Luke speaks of. The serving that she's doing as a distraction. That's what he calls it. He says this is a, this is a distraction. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. Now, what is the purpose the father has for what's going on in this house? Teaching. Whatever teaching was going on, it was planned and purposed by the Father and Jesus is carrying out. Since Jesus describes this as a distraction and Luke describes it as a distraction, it would seem that the purpose of the Father is not to feed people in this particular instance. Not seen it not other times, but in this particular instance it's not the purpose of the Father to feed the people. The purpose of the Father is to teach she is trying to accommodate that purpose as best she can by opening up her house, but it is her own purpose to feed the people because apparently that's not part of the the, the plan that the father has and not part of the plan that Jesus has now she 's in there taking care of all this food, and while she 's in there getting all this food ready she 's in there by herself. No one's coming in to help her. Now just think about this. How many times have you been in the kitchen getting food ready for a crowd out there and no one is helping you? What happens on the inside? (laughs) You got no help. Everybody's out there watching the TV. Whatever that is they're, they're doing. No one's coming in to help you. And so little voices go off on the inside of you, don't they? Why is no one out here helping? Doesn't anyone care? They should come in and at least help lift some things. Go set the table, carry some food in and out. And they could do something. And all these voices are going on inside your head, which you need to, uh, which you feel the need to listen to. And so you do that. You listen to these things until finally it gets pinned up so much on the inside of Martha that she bursts out into the room, and she accuses Jesus of not caring. Because he's not coming out there and sending anybody in to help. Now, what's the purpose of the Father here? That the people be taught. What does she do in her zeal to feed the people? She interrupts the purpose of the Father. Is that faithful? Now, if you were to pull Martha, if you were alive during this day and you were to go in and you were to ask Martha, Martha, Are you being faithful? I'll bet you would hear something like this. Yeah, I'm about the only one who is. Do you see anybody else in here working? Do you see anybody else in here cooking? She would probably feel I am the only one that is being faithful. No one else is. Everyone else is out there just relaxing. Just sitting. Not doing anything at all. There's work that has to be done. Somebody's got to be in here to do it. It's a good thing for God's kingdom that I'm in here doing this. But she gets so penned up, she interrupts what the Father is saying through Jesus. And it's a, you know, it'd be a disruption. That would be a disruption in the meeting. Can you imagine? If we were over here having service, and, uh, I was, I was sharing whatever it was that, that the Lord told me to, to share for today, and then all of a sudden, Somebody came over from Children's Church and said, Don't you care? <laughs> and makes an accusation about us over here, not caring about what's going on over there. Could you, would that be a disruption to the meeting? Yeah, we haven't had that happen. <laughs> but can you imagine somebody coming over there and, and disrupting and coming over? Because I have gotten so focused on my purpose and what I'm do, what I feel like I'm doing for the kingdom, that nothing else is important, and whatever would stop this needs to be removed. So much so that you would come out and interrupt Jesus' teaching for this. Now this is the only, t- only time we saw Jesus being interrupted. People seem to like to do that in his meetings. Isn't that kind of odd? Well, we know that she's not being faithful, but she thinks she is. She's being diligent, but you see, she's got her own interest in there. you got to be careful. It is so easy for us to get our own interests caught up into what's going on with the with the will of the Father. And I begin to think that my interests are the Father's. But I've never asked him about it. We should have asked Jesus. Jesus, would you like us to feed the people? And Jesus may say, that's not necessary right now. We've already seen that Jesus can feed people with just a couple of things if he was concerned that way. But she has taking this on herself. Now see, it's not necessarily wrong to take things on yourself and to do things for the kingdom of God. That's That's not the wrong part. The wrong part is when we, we, we um, take our will for this thing and escalate it over the will of the Father. Because the will of the Father for this meeting is that the people be taught. Look at the words that Jesus said in verse, uh, I think it's 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So he's saying, look, you got two choices right here. One choice was to be in the kitchen busied about with all the, all the work of feeding people. The other was here sitting and listening to the word. I just want to let you know, Mary chose the good one. I didn't, I'm not going to chase her out of here. She chose the good one. Which is basically saying Martha chose the bad one or the not so good one. (laughs) That's basically what he's saying, isn't it? You didn't choose the good part. She did. But notice this too. Jesus knows what she's doing. We've talked about this when we've gone over this story before. If you are someone who's in the kitchen by yourself and you are expecting a sister or relative that is sitting out in the other room to come out and help you. What are some of the ways that you send clues? One would be extra loud clanging of the pans, right? You ever hear that one? We got the pans clanging just a little bit extra loud. In other words, we're, we're putting a little call out there. Yo, <laughs> I am here all by myself. And if they're not hearing that, you know, then we start uh, doing some other things. Maybe we bring in some of the food in there and we just kind of drop it on the table. And we glare (laughs) at the the person. And if they're not getting that message, we go back in and we start saying all sorts of stuff. And then we come out of the room and we start making accusations like, like Martha did. But here's the thing. The will of the Father is that Jesus be teaching the people. And apparently, Martha was supposed to be in that group. According to Jesus. Martha was supposed to be in that group. She's not. But Jesus doesn't go and get her. He doesn't say, hold on a minute. We don't have everybody here. Let me go and get Martha. He lets Martha go out there and put all this food together. Even though inside he's saying, we don't need that today. That's not the purpose here. He doesn't do any of that. Don't think that God is going to come after you because you're out there and you've escalated your will over his. He's going to sit in there and do what he's supposed to be doing. Hopefully you get the message. But who who comes in and accuses Jesus of not caring? Who does that with, Mar- with Martha? Who is that little voice on the inside that accuses Jesus of not caring? That would be the accuser of the brethren, wouldn't it? See, this is what the enemy likes to do. He likes to come in and accuse the brethren, to you. He will tell you things. So and so is not. So and so shouldn't be. So and so. And this is what she's doing. So she is in here opening up her home for the sake of the gospel, serving food, preparing food for the people so they can hear the gospel and all the while listening to the enemy. Until she heard so much from the enemy and it got her so riled up Then she comes bursting into the room and interrupts what Jesus is teaching. Now we know God's not behind that. Who's behind that? So someone who considers themselves to be faithful has been used by the enemy to pull people from the things of God. But if you ask Martha, how many of you want to bet? I'm faithful. I'm faithful. But she's seeking her own there, isn't she? She's got her own thing that she's going to do. And it's okay. I mean, if you get a thing that you want to, I want to feed the people that are coming on out here. That's fine, but don't elevate it over the things of God. In fact, sometimes you ought to just go back there and just say, Jesus, I was planning on getting some food together for everyone. And I'm going to leave the door open so I can hear what you're, is that okay with you? And if Jesus says, Martha, no, you really need to just, just leave leave the food go right now and come on in here and sit. Well, see, she would have asked the Father, would have asked Jesus, what is the will? Once you find out the will, then we go out there and we do it. But the accuser of the brethren comes in and he tries to sow seeds. He accuses, he accuses, he accuses until we start picking them up. And then we start adding our own accusations in there to where I get mad at them. And they haven't even done anything yet. Mary is doing what God wants her to do. And Martha who is serving God, thinks she's serving God, is getting mad at the one who's doing what God wants her to do. Can you see how that's all messed up? Well, I put it in your outline here. How faithful is it to get so caught up in what you want done that you intrude on what the Master is doing? Now, understand this. Jesus doesn't stop loving Martha. He doesn't pick up his stuff and say, well, that's it. I'm leaving here. I'm not coming back to this place. He doesn't. He apparently stays right there and keeps on going. It's amazing he's not, uh, distracted by these things. But he apparently is, is so. Now I've given you this part of it before. we you talked about Martha. I just want to give it to you again. This is Martha's type. And you may have noticed them in the body of Christ. First of all, she is outwardly serving. How many of you know people that outwardly, I mean, they are serving, 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 servant? Just always serving. Outwardly, we're serving. Inwardly, we're criticizing. This is what she's doing. Outwardly, I'm serving. But inwardly, why isn't Mary helping me? Why doesn't that useless brother of mine get in here and help? He can sure do some things. He's not helpless in the kitchen. Why hasn't Jesus caught wind of the fact that the rest of my family is sitting out there in the meeting and I'm the only one in here? I bet he doesn't care. And all these things are going on the inside of her. Inwardly, she's criticizing. Outwardly, she's serving. If you ever find yourself in a state where outwardly you appear to people to be serving, but inwardly you are criticizing, you are in the category of Martha's. And that's not a good place to be. Because once we get to the place where we are outwardly serving, inwardly criticizing, we'll eventually get to the place where we are boldly accusing. Lord, do you not care? Can you imagine going up to Jesus? Now she believes that Jesus Christ is is the is the Messiah. If we went on and read the rest of those verses in scripture in John chapter eleven, when Martha comes out and she greets Jesus, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died, and he starts talking about he will rise again and she says i know in the resurrection and we have all that conversation and she states i believe that you are the christ she states it can you imagine walking up to the one that you believe is the christ the son of god and saying to him do you not care and interrupting what he is teaching you see you We've got to get this understood. The enemy can get in as the accuser of the brethren and begin to accuse other people to us so that we get so agitated and so stirred up. Not only can we openly confront other Christians, but we can openly confront the Son of God. That's how strong can get worked up. And Martha's not the only one. Don't you remember when Peter did it? And we saw others in the Bible as, as well, not people as, as close. Those were two of the closest ones who, who did it. Other ones were were more distant, but they did it as well. We got to be we got to be so careful with this. He says this to her. He says, "You are worried and troubled. Worried. She has a it's to have a distracting care. She's worried about something. There's something that has got her worried and concerned." Not only that, they're not just distracting cares, but he goes on, he says, troubled. They don't just distract you, they trouble you. They trouble you. You are worried and troubled. And then he says about many things. Many things. So it must have been more than what was just going on here. There are many things that were distractions that caused her to worry. It caused her to be troubled we got to be careful how much trouble we let other people bring into our lives. Because the reason they, they do is because we become worried and troubled. You know what? If people rise up against the things you are doing for God and you stay faithful to Him, those people will be exposed. And it will come out what it is that they did. And lies will be, be shown, other things that they did. Just let God do it. Don't get yourself dirty. Just keep on going on. Be faithful to what God said to do. You will see this throughout the New Testament especially, but even in the Old Testament you will see it. That people were given a command, an assignment from God, and all over people are raised up to try and discourage them from it. Basically, folks, we're looking at a training ground. You need to get trained to not get discouraged. To not be unfaithful. But to stay faithful to what God said. Regardless of what people do. It doesn't mean you just take whatever it is that people want to throw at you. Because Jesus didn't do it. When they came after Him, He just, He addressed them right there. Learn how to address them right there. And, and listen to the things of God. If you seek after your own, then you're going to have words that are angry words. And they're just going to be there to put them down. But see, Jesus didn't just go in there to put them down. He brought them to a place where they could make a decision to change or they would expose who they were. He'll help you do the same thing. Don't fret about it. He said one thing is needed. One thing. And that's what we need to go after. Now see, once we're born again, there's still a void in us. There's still a place in us to be filled up. There's a void. Martha filled it up with all kinds of activities. All kinds of things that she did. Salvation was just added to her list of activities. But faithfulness fills our life with what the Master wants. That's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness fills our life with what the Master wants. I have what the Master has told me to do. You can pick up other secondary things to do as well. God will not stop you from doing that. But if you pick up anything secondary, as Martha did here with feeding the crowd, it can never take the place of what God wants to do. Can't ever do that. We got to make sure that we stay focused on what God wants to do. Most people want what they want. Most people want what they want. And they think that what I want is what God wants. That's not necessarily true. We gotta be careful. Martha loved Jesus. She loved him. Jesus loved her back. There was a special relationship between him and this family. She loved him. There was a very, a, a great affection. For each other. It doesn't stop this from, from happening. Now there's some warning signs that you might be a Martha. Can you just sit and hear the Word of God? If you cannot just sit and hear the Word of God, like Mary did, you might be a Martha. If you get mad at other people who do just sit and listen to the Word of God, you might be a Martha. I make excuses for my need to always work for Jesus. You might be a Martha if you if you do that. I find it hard to just worship, pray, or fellowship with him without burying busying myself with something with something else. Whatever it is that we do, can we do it? Well, let me I put it to you this way. If uh say that you were on a worship team. Can you worship God sitting in the chairs? Or can you only worship God on the stage? You see, sometimes that happens. I'm not saying it happens with any of our folks here. Uh, there have been times I've had to sit in the in the uh, audience and they worship just fine. But you can go to other places where when they're up on stage, they're worshiping, they're all into it, and then you you see other times and they're sitting in the pews and lifeless. You see, if they don't have that I'm not doing what God called me to do. I don't have people's eyes on me. It can change them. That that shouldn't be shouldn't be going on. In Mary, one main there's one main change. One main thing changed. See, Martha is used to Mary's help. Martha has always had Mary's help. Whenever they have something coming on, Mary's always there to help her. Mary can probably even feel the expectation while she's sitting there listening to Jesus. Oh, I can feel my sister pulling me into the room. But she still chose to sit and listen. Mary's not alone. Lazarus is probably sitting there with her, but he may not have been in the kitchen as much. But... Mary made this change. I need to sit at the feet of Jesus. I need to hear what the Master has to say. I can't do what the Master wants me to do if I don't hear it from Him. we got to hear what the Master has to, to say to us. Jesus' words to Mary was, she has chosen the good part. Now, good there means not good tasting, but good is in lasting value. It's the Greek word agathos good as in having lasting value. She's chosen that good part. I want to read to you from John chapter 12. This is that account that was referred to. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard known in the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this For the day of my burial, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Now notice this. What is Martha doing? Martha is still serving food, but look what happens here. And this—this this is right before Jesus goes to the cross. It's uh, right, what happens after this is the triumphal entry. We got a week, and then it's the cross. So we are real close to the end here. We've already had all the other incidents come up. Come up. She is still serving, but notice there's no rebuke to Mary for wasting all that money on the perfume. She doesn't do that. She doesn't get upset and no one else is out there helping her. Because Lazarus is still seated there. Mary is over there washing Jesus' feet. She apparently is the only one who's doing this. But maybe, I don't know if she did or not, maybe she got a hold of Jesus and says, Jesus, do you want me to to get some food ready? And maybe Jesus said, you know, Martha, that'd be great if you could. That would be wonderful. Seems like something changed. Because she she sure didn't go on this the way she did before. But she's still out there. The Word of God still tells us that she served. She served the, the food. She took care of people here. Now back in our story, to Martha, everything is someone else's fault. Do you ever notice some people like that? No matter what happens in their life, everything is someone else's fault. I didn't do it. Someone else did. If they wouldn't have, if this wouldn't have been... Just constantly, this is the way that they, they live. It's gotta be a tough way to live. Everything is someone else's fault. Don't be living like that. Get out of that. That's never godly. Before in our story, she's mad at Jesus for not caring. She's mad at Mary for not helping. Probably mad at other people too for doing something or not doing anything or whatever it might be. You know, we don't know all the things that happen. Maybe she's coming out and she's bringing us some food and maybe one of the guys who was in there just uh listening to Jesus turns to her and said, "Could you get could you get me a cup of water?" I mean, when you feel like you're overworked and no one else cares and no one else is doing anything, that can get you mad. I may have gotten her mad too. We don't know all what what happened. But for Mary, everything is someone else's fault. What happened in the house is a crisis for Martha, but a joy for Mary. I want you to know that the same things that happen in your life at times can be a crisis, but God may have intended them to be a joy. This whole thing that had gone on with Jesus in the house and teaching, it was intended to be a joy for everyone involved. But for certain ones, like Martha, it was a crisis. God has intended a lot of things to go on in our lives and for some of them, we see them as a crisis. Instead of the joy that can be there. Well, you don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know what the accuser of the brethren has done on the inside of you to turn this around like he did with Martha. But it will take you out of a place of being faithful. And according to the word of God, the group of people in the kingdom to come, the group that is rewarded is the group that is faithful. The group that is faithful are the ones that are rewarded. How many of y'all want to get rewarded when you get to heaven? I sure want to. I mean, if you're going to serve God down here, you may as well get rewarded for it. He wants to reward you for it. He's looking forward to it. So we got to be faithful. Don't let these things pull you out. The enemy wants to pull you out from being faithful. And one of the things he will do is he will accuse people to you. Just as he did with Martha. So what happens in the house is a crisis for Martha. Oh, but it's a joy for Mary. Now, it could have been more of a joy for Mary if Martha hadn't been raised in such a fuss. You ever had people take away some of the joy? Could have been a little bit more of a joy. But what brings frustration for Martha, it brought faith for Mary. I want to read this scripture to you in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. You can write this scripture down. I don't think it's in... It might be in your outline, I'm not sure. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us the power folks it's a, it is of god it's not of you don't feel like you got to generate the power the power comes from god we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed see we are when it says we are perplexed but not in despair it means we're we might be confused but never not knowing what to do when it says struck down but not destroyed it means we are maybe knocked down but we don't stay down. We get back up again. There's the enemy wants to try and knock you down. His purpose is to get you to stay down. God says no. Get back up again. Come on. Let's keep on going. He's, he is going to try and get you to a place where your faithfulness will be challenged. And you will become faithful to yourself and not faithful to God. Learn in the midst of all this that Corinthians describes here. Learn how to stay faithful to what God has said to do. What has God told you to do? Then you do it with everything you got. If you find a secondary thing to pick up, that's fine. But don't let it become elevated to the thing that God told you to do. Stay with that thing. I put this in your outline for you. Don't get hung up on people's inadequacies. The accuser of the brethren is always going to show you where people are inadequate, what people are doing, how people are not quite measuring up. I've had people that have accused me numerous times. Um, I've had parents accuse me <laughs> because of, of the way that I dealt with their kids. You don't see the problems in that one. Well, I might see the problems. But you see, it's not my job to go around pointing out the problems. My, my role is to bring them into a place where they're, they're useful, where they're faithful for the Father. So that's our, that's our role. That's what we need to do. Jesus didn't go running in the kitchen, yell at Martha, get in here. Why are you in here making all this fuss, all this racket? And Jesus often knew the hearts of the people before they ever opened their mouths. I kind of think he, he knew what was going on inside Martha, but he doesn't say anything about it. He waits for her to say something. Put this in your outline. You don't have to write anything in. I want to make sure you got it. You cannot be faithful focusing on what the accuser would tell you. Whatever the accuser would focus on, you cannot be faithful focusing on that same thing. You cannot be faithful focusing on what the accuser would. If the enemy is telling you so-and-so is disqualified, so-and-so is no good, so-and-so is doing this, if the accuser of the brethren keeps coming to you and telling you these things, he wants you to focus on that. And if he can get you to focus on that, he will pull you out of being faithful to what God has said, and you're not going to be doing the purpose that God has for you. You see if you see something in your own eye or in your in the eye of your your neighbor, it doesn't mean you don't deal with it. But you don't deal with it publicly. You don't deal with it to embarrass. And you first off, make sure that you take care of yourself. Make sure that whatever is in your life that's along those lines, get it out. Get it out. And then go over, he says, and, and take care of your your brother. Take care of them. See, we can help each other out. But we got to do it in such a way that we try and help each other out. That's how we gotta. That's how we gotta go. When I look at this, I look at Jesus. He liked these people. There was something about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that drew Jesus to them. There's something about it. Have you ever had certain people that you just are drawn to? You know, there there are certain qualities I get drawn to in, in in people. I mean, some of them are, are spiritual qualities. Some of them are not so spiritual qualities. You know, I can be drawn to somebody just because they're a runner. That's not a spiritual quality. But just because I, th- we have this common interest, I can be drawn to somebody who has that, that interest. But outside of that, I get, drawn, I, get, I get drawn away from people that are caught up in pride. I get drawn away from it. I don't like to spend time with them. I don't like to have a whole lot of discussion with them because they're caught up in pride. I get more drawn to, to people that are humble. we got to find out what is it that God, what are the traits that God likes? And I want to have those become mine. Focus on what the Master focuses on. Focuses on what He says. God, what traits do you see as important? I want to focus on that. You see, everyone that's around us, they have imperfections. They have problems. They're involved in in sin over here. They're involved in a problem over here. They got a wrong attitude over here. But if I ignore them, what help am I going to give them? I can't help them out when I ignore them. No, I got to get involved in their life. I got to get to a place where I can build them up so they can receive some things from me. If all you have to do is say negative things about someone, they're not going to receive stuff from you. You got to be able to come in there and, and build them up. Encourage them. That's what the Father does. The Father does not come around and begin to point at you and say, you got this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong. Now fix it or I'm not dealing with you anymore. He doesn't do that. And we can't do it either. There are some people who just don't receive from you. That's fine. But don't set up a wall between you and them. As soon as they want to break that wall down, you be ready. I've got some people They just... They, They didn't want to receive. They didn't see that I had anything good going on at all. That's fine. I go over here. We'll help out these these folks over here. I didn't feel compelled to go in that direction at all. But if they ever changed their mind, I was ready to to jump in there and and to help out. That's how Jesus did it. There are certain people who didn't want to receive from Jesus. Well, he didn't run after them. In fact, he taught around them. But when they came to him and they asked him questions, when the Pharisees came and, and they said, How can I be saved? Didn't he, didn't he speak to him about it? He had answers for them. He talked with him about it. Be faithful to what God says to do. Understand the excuses that we use that causes us to be less faithful. And keep, the, keep them out. Because all that matters is how faithful are you to what God said to do. That's all that matters be faithful to what God says to do. The enemy is going to try and get you to focus on results. But this isn't happening. He's going to try and get you to focus on some of these other things. But don't let him do it. Father God, what did you tell me to do? All right. That's what you told me to do? That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give it everything that I got. I'm going to put everything I have into it. And I won't let the enemy discourage me. I won't let the enemy put accusations about other people in on me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give thought to those things. I'm going to refuse those things from coming in. Then do it. Because God is not going to accuse the brethren to you. But sure will be, sure will be, we'll find the, the enemy doing it. He's going to try and accuse the brethren to you. And it will affect your faithfulness. Just like it did for Martha. She was not faithful to the cause of God. She only became faithful to herself. If you were alive in Paul's day, would Paul be able to say of you, no one is like-minded except Timothy and -and so-and-so? Would he be able to say that? I sure hope so. That's where we want to get our life to be. And we can. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. It is a good day to be a Christian. It is a good day to serve you. We may look around and the enemy may tell us how much unfaithfulness there is around us. How much immaturity there is. How much self-seeking there is amongst the people. But he's going to constantly accuse. But Father, you see the good in people. And you help us to see that good too. Help us not to be caught in the back room somewhere working for the kingdom all the while get angry and bitter, so much so that we can come in and interrupt what the Father has to say. We don't want to do that. We want to be found faithful to you. Glory be to God. With every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today and saying, boy, I thought I was a lot more faithful, I think my faithfulness can get some work. I think there's times that I have sought after my own and not completely after the things of God. That's you today. I want to pray for you right where you're sitting. That God would open up your eyes to see every time your own will has popped up. Every time you seek after your own and left the things of God. That down in your spirit, you'll be quickened. He won't walk into the kitchen and interrupt you. But if you listen to him, he'll speak to you. So we pray today, if you'd like me to pray for you as well, raise your hand up. I need that. Father God, you see the hands that are raised. As faithful as we may think we are, we're going to find out as we get into your word we can be a lot more faithful than many of the problems that we have had is because we thought we were more faithful than we are. And though we thought we were seeking after the things of the kingdom we actually were seeking after things that we wanted things that we desired. Father I pray this week each person here raise their hand that you speak to them down in your spirit down in the Holy Spirit that's down on the inside of them communicating with their spirit and you tell them that's you that's not the will of the Father Father I thank you that you speak to us and every time that we hear that we have elevated something above the will of the Father Our humility will allow us to drop it completely. But pride will get us to hang on. Help us to go in the way of humility. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Before Victor comes up, Saturday we're going to have the the ladies' breakfast here. And my wife wanted you all to know Bring your vision cards out with you. And we're going to be she'll be working on them with you at the, uh, at the ladies' breakfast. Uh, 9.30, it looks like, is the time for that. I was thinking it was 10 before, but we have it in there for 9.30. So see my wife, if you have any questions uh, about that. But bring your vision card. Hopefully you, uh, you, you filled them out. Also, she, um, she encouraged you to bring some magazines, some things to cut pictures out of and that you can put on your, on your vision board. So bring some, some uh, magazines with pictures not just words. I think you need pictures out of it. And uh, that'll be going on Saturday. So you can see her before you leave today if you have any questions on that. Brother Victor.